Good morning. How's everyone's week going? I mean, enjoying the heat? Okay, two people. I'm enjoying the heat. I'm enjoying no rain for a little while. But it's good to see everybody's mom. My name is Pastor Rich, lead pastor here at Grace Point Church. And again, you're a guest. Thank you for coming out. There's a lot of places you could have came, went to, but you came here. And you come at a good time. We're in our second week of our series called, um, gosh, what is it called? Overcomer. Overcomer. Last week we talked about overcoming comparison. Today we're going to jump right into it, talking about apathy. Everyone say apathy. We're going to talk about apathy today and how that affects our culture, how we are in, some of us can be so much immersed in it, we don't even know it. And apathy is one of those tricky things. If you know the definition of apathy, it means the lack of feeling of emotion, a feeling of indifference, a lack of passion, a lack of interest, a lack of concern, and pretty much you have an attitude, I just don't care. I just don't care. Things are just too much, I can care less. And it, I think this, this subject here has permeated our culture into a way that we don't even recognize it. What we think is irregular, what, is, what we think is regular is actually irregular. And we stop moving forward in our lives. It can happen to each and every one of us at any given week, any given moment. And what we're going to do, we're going to attack that word today about how we are an overcomer. We can overcome apathy. And we're going to use a story today in Luke chapter 10. Jesus was dealing with a lawyer. And the lawyer stood up to test Jesus about, um, tell me what I need to know about how do I inherit eternal life? And then Jesus, I love the way he always answers a question. He answers it with the question. He says, what does the law say? And it says here, if you have your Bibles, in verse 20, 20, um, 27, says, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And the lawyer answered that. He felt really good. He felt, okay, I've arrived. And Jesus said, good, do that and live. He felt good. Stood up again to justify himself, to make himself, I got this covered. And he asked Jesus this. He said, "Um, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? He stood up and said these things because he felt like basically I got it all together. I just want you to verify that I am the guy. I am somebody because I love my neighbor. He, what he's saying is his neighbor looked just like him, had, was the same, same, um, same uh, level as he was, and it's easy to have a neighbor who can pay you back. And he was feeling that way, and he wanted to, be, he wanted to justify himself before Jesus. And then Jesus goes into not the way of life, not the way to get life, but the way of life in the kingdom of God. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse, make sure I don't want to go over, verse 30. And this is the second answer Jesus gave. Jesus replied, a man was going down to Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, you want to circle that. A priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to the inn, took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii 
and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of them. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these two of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father God, I pray right now. I ask God in this moment, what do you want to say? What do you want to impart to us about apathy and the kingdom of God? What do you want to say today, God? Father, let our hearts be open. And our ears open so we may see and hear. But most of all, at the end, we'll do the things you have called us to do. We praise you and we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You see a story that Jesus answered the lawyer with, and he's talking about being on that road. It's a 17-mile road, and people will come out of Jerusalem down into into, um, Jericho. And the problem is, it's a dangerous road. It has caves. In those days, people, thieves would hide in the caves, and they would, beat people. they would rob them, and they would terrorize them. And you see them going down, and we see three responses to someone who's laying there half dead. And we see, through that word apathy, who, had ap- who was just apathetic, and then that, or the one who was a good neighbor. And the question is, when you look at this, this, this passage, for us to answer today, how come we don't care the way Jesus calls us to care? Now, this, 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 this passage really exactly convicted me this whole week, reading it. Because it's so easy to go through life and not care, only about or care just for yourself and no one else. It's easier that way. And culture has built up this environment that we just care only for ourselves. So I wrote a question, why don't we care like Jesus calls us to care? One of the one things, if you take a note, is basically we live in a play in a life, we're dealing with information overload. Information we receive is overwhelming today. How many watch the news? on a daily basis. How many have Facebook? How many have Twitter? How many have Instagram? All this information coming at us. We become so overwhelmed by what's coming at us, we don't even know where to start if we're going to try to make a difference in this world. So many things. Now, I grew, I was born in 1957. I love to go to um, Cracker Barrel and look at that year, what happened that year. And the interesting thing was the same thing that's happening now happened in that year. We just didn't have such a public stance on it. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have chat, um, Snapchat to capture it. Same pressures. In fact, when I was that year, we were worried about the nuclear bomb blowing us up. And we used to have fallout shelters. And we would go on them. We, as kids, we would practice underneath the chairs in case the big one went off. And today, we're so overwhelmed with mass school and church shootings. We had the Virginia Beach killings, which just happened a little while ago, which came out to about, since 2006, 11 mass shootings have taken place. And it's become, well, that's it. And we, it's news today, and it's gone tomorrow. But it leaves an effect on each and every one of us. We got the wars and rumors of wars. We have 
Racial tension breaking out everywhere. People are worried about their children. We have inflation, maybe natural disasters. Global warming. Someone told me the other day, I don't know if I'm going to bring a child in the world with global warming. Okay? But it affects us in such a way that we actually can wind up shutting down. How many, see, how many, how many uh, GoFundMe pages can you, can you count on a given day? Overwhelming. Where do I start? How do I change? Oh, my God. And what happens is to us, our body receives all this negativity. Our body receives all this information, and we can shut down and not do anything. It can shut us down. Why? Because a lot of apathy, guys, are related to three things. Emotional, spiritual, and bodily. Well, spirit, soul, and body. But a lot of things are related to negativity, anxiety, and depression. A lot of apathy is those three areas. Negativity, which causes anxiety, which when you're angry, and you turn inward, becomes depression. And you can shut down. You can reach the limit that I can't take anymore. And the only way to, to take, not take anymore is to shut down so I don't receive anymore. But when I shut myself down, I shut myself in. Hit that week this week. I had a week of weeks. And I hit that, I had a moment on Tuesday. Just shut me down. Had enough stuff, I'm spending enough, this is something I didn't even need. And I hit it. And I could feel myself shutting down. And I had to do a couple of things. I had to pray. Talk to a friend. If you, one thing about pastors, you got to have a friend that's a pastor that can understand what you're going through. And we'll sit there and we'll, we'll sit there and we'll cut and bleed and we'll talk. And then at, at the end of the day, we, at the end of that conversation, well, what are we going to do? We're going to get back up. And we're going to go right back into it. Can't afford to shut down. But I saw myself the saturation point of some things in my life. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have been carrying things. I shouldn't be carrying things. Now, if you're dealing with apathy, maybe it's a sign that you reached your emotional and bodily saturation point. You might have reached it. You're not as excited as you used to be. You, don't have to, you can't even celebrate the way you want to. Or when something great happens, you're like, oh, there's something going to happen at the end. Don't, I don't want to get, you ever hear this line, I don't want to get my hopes up. And we wind up living our lives in survival mode versus thriving mode. Protecting ourselves versus projecting ourselves. Been there? Doctors see it all the time. They prescribe more meds for depression and anxiety, we're, and they give you pills to protect yourself. And they say, that's the real you. No, it's not. It's a chemical imbalance in you. Making sense? What's another thing? Information is overwhelming. Another one is comfort and entitlement. Now, comforting is interesting with us. We love, how many love comfort to be comfortable? I can tell. Especially when we have work to do. Yeah. 
what happens is if you look at the Old Testament, <laughs> the, what, what got the children of Israel in trouble was the comfort level. When you get into the land, please don't forget who put you there. So what we do, we actually fall in love. Now, it's a blessing and a curse. It's great to be blessed. But when you fall in love with the blessing versus the blesser, you become apathetic. And all you do is live your life. All you do is live your life for the next blessing. That's all I want. If I made it on the blessing, doesn't matter if you make it or not, I have arrived. And we fall out of love with the blesser, and we want to be blessed. And you become, my whole life is to be blessed. I'm blessed and highly favored. For who? For me. It's comfortable that way. I don't want to think about you. I don't want to think about the world's issues. I don't want to think about what my kids are doing. I don't want to think about that. I want to shut down. I'm in a protective mode, and I'm wondering why I'm in a prisoner mode. Because most people who try to protect themselves become prisoners of themselves. Comfort. Then you have entitlement. It's all about me. Now, Pastor Rich, or this is what you ever, you see commercials now. What am I going to get out of it? Give me the bottom line before I give you my time. Now, we don't mean that, but we're living a life of entitlement. It's always someone else's fault. And comfort makes it easy. Like, now you don't have to, when you go to Walmart, you don't have to get out of the car. Do you? They go together. You pull up to the, and they, the young man jumps out. He has your groceries. He puts it in there. And you have, a, you have, a, you have the nerve to be mad because you didn't do it in two minutes. And you got my order wrong. And I would say, get out of the car yourself. <laughs> Go in that store. I make $7,000, $25 a week, a day, an hour. It's not worth the pain. Poor tellers getting beat up because they couldn't perform in two minutes. I'm entitled to that. I paid you. And my whole job is for you to serve me, myself, and I, the worst trinity in the world. Apathy. Comfort. Entitlement. Life is all about me and my, and my family time. And this time, we're going to go on to that. Look what happened in verse 31. It's interesting. It says, um, verse 30, when you look at verse 30, it says, now by chance. Oh, now by chance, a priest and a Levite. <laughs> now, they don't go down those roads. They're leaving from their, their place of occupation going home. They had some laws they had to deal with. But by chance, they show up on this road. Now, if you're like me, you leave, you have a plan. Now, the last thing you want to see in that plan is someone laying there. So you're going to keep going. I have a good plan. I got to get home. I got good things to do. And we walk by the good thing. We walk to get to the good thing. And then what, God, what does God do? He lays all the God things right in front of you. Doesn't he? And it, you know what God's plan is? Disruption. <laughs> Disruption. It's not comfortable. It's not timely. It's by design. His disruption 
is for your freedom. Disruption. What happened to them? My routine, guys, they ignored them. Isn't that worth the effort? This risk too much? Hey, guess this, you know our new society is? Hey, someone else would do that. Someone, you know, someone will do that. I don't have to worry about that. Or if you're in a church, you know the pastor will do that. That's what he gets paid for. Now here, let me help you with this. I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about your life. When's the last time you set a vision and projected your life versus trying to protect it? When's the last time you had a creative plan to do something? Or are you waiting for someone else's plan so you can live it out their lives? Think about it. Is all your life about protecting and building something beautiful? Or is your life about, man, we can do something. We can, I see something amazing. I'm going to step out. And what happens is apathy puts you in this mode. And all it becomes is a routine life. And you hate it because you weren't created that way. You hate it. But when we look at apathy, we, sometimes we can talk about the church. Enter in your job. Are you interjecting your job? Yeah, things are rough in your job. But do you, have a, you might have a fix versus trying to fixate on the problem. Why don't you fix on, fixate on the solution? Think about it. Last time, say, you know something? I see something. We're going to do something amazing. And you don't have to give me the idea. I already have the idea. I want to operate in that, in that zone. Or we're trying to protect and hope so we have enough, and we got this, and we're great, and everyone's fine. Everyone goes to their houses, and nothing changes. Here's a word that's missing today, guys, the word initiative. You lose your initiative when you're apathetic. You have no initiative. The only initiative is that you point someone else to do it. You don't mean to. It's someone else is going to do it. Now, I love God's interruption. Now, here, if you take a notes, write this down, because now we're going to make a shift. While apathy finds an excuse, compassion always finds a way. Let's look at verse 33. The difference between the two that were walking, the priest and the Levite. Now, the Samaritan, this got to be weird, because there was no such thing as a good Samaritan to a Jew. They couldn't stand each other. It was tension all the time. But you got to look at something. When he saw them, when he saw him, he saw him with the one word, the trigger word, compassion. Compassion. That was the trigger. That is the tipping point of our lives. Compassion turns apathy into action. Listen to me. It takes apathy into action. It's an internal thing that I see something, a burden, and God's called me, and I cannot sit back and let it go by. There's something that's greater that God called me to do. There's something greater than myself, and not just to do this, but do something else to help other people. And what is it is? Compassion turned mercy. is mercy in action. How many of us are born again in this room? How many knows the mercy of God that you're sitting in this room? How many know God, Jesus had compassion on us? He took the mercy. He just said, I'm just merciful. No, I'm going to take, I'm going to have compassion on my people who are just out of control. They're sheep without a shepherd. I'm going to have compassion. I'm going to take my compassion, my mercy, and turn it into action. Now, when you have compassion, you can't sit still. Whatever gift you have, you can't sit still. Because you see, with people with compassion, eyes of compassion, you start to see, 
oh my gosh, it doesn't care how dangerous it is. I don't care how inconvenient it is. I don't care what it is. I have to get this thing accomplished because I can't get it out my soul. If you don't have that energy anymore, guys, your wood is dead. You need to fire that up. Because guess what? We, how many want to remove evil from the world? Start with your neighbor if they don't know Jesus. One person gives their lives to Jesus, the devil has just lost a capadre. Make sense? What does compassion do? It takes you from duty to love, and it takes you from debating to doing. I don't have time to talk about it. I got to go make disciples. I don't have time to talk about it. We got to reach people. I don't have time to talk about it. We got to change families. I don't have time to debate it. I don't have time to look at it. We just got to do it. Samaritan's action was compassionate, selfless, and costly. It would have cost him his life to stop because someone was pop- sometimes the, the, the thieves would set up somebody in the road to ambush him when they stopped to help him. He put his life on the line. He was compassionate. Compassion does that. And he put it out. Guys, how much is too much in our lives when we're serving Jesus? Think about it. Now, how do I beat apathy? How do I overcome apathy? That's why we're here. First thing, if you take a note, you're going to ask God to transform your heart into a heart that sees feels, and heals. Ask God right now, while you're sitting here, to transform your heart into a heart that sees, feels, and hears. When you walk in apathy, you don't see anything but yourself. And the only feelings that you deal with is yourself. The only thing you hear is your your own hearing because you want to be comfortable. And it's safer that way. Write down the word safe. Are you playing it safe or are you playing to win? Every time the disaster happens, my job, when someone had, was in a disaster, a problem, I had to help them recover, I said, you have to step forward and you have to recover. You can't sit there and look. And, the longer you sit there, the longer you'll sit there. You'll never get up. You'll never get up. You are, we're made to move forward. We're, in, in, we're, born, we're creating a very image of God. What does that mean, Pastor Rich? When I read my Bible, though I want to be comforted, I also read it for conviction. Because this is what convicted me this week. I do walk past the God things, and I'm going after the good things. And I will pray, and I will ask God for this, and I want this, and I want that. And the minute I see any any inconvenience in my life sometime, I just walk away from the inconvenience because it's just inconvenient, and I don't have time. And I'll go to do something that doesn't doesn't really amount to anything. But golly, I feel better. I feel great. But it isn't isn't impacting anything. I mean, how much comfort could I have? I'm at an age now, well, you know, it's good I'm at this age. What am I going to do the rest of the other end of my life? Sit here and coast? No. 
And, you know, we, here's the, I want to give you this. A lot of us are upset with the generation behind us. They're, they're lethargic. They're apathetic. They don't care. You know why? Because they're looking ahead of them. We weren't allowed to be that growing up. We were always outside. We were at the zoo. We were out expanding our mind. We are always doing something. We are always pushing ahead. So when we grew up, you were going to push it. There was, there was no option that you weren't going to college. Let me put it that way. You weren't going to go find yourself. You're going to find yourself with your own money. But you, you're, going to, you're going to go do something. It was, it was expected. But you got to read the Bible. Don't wait for me to convict you. Wait, let the Holy Spirit convict you on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. So you get back off, just out the chair, and get back in the game. Because you're never going to have enough comfort. Never. The greatest thing you can do in my life is fall in love with Motrin. <laughs> Sorry. Going to be real with you. I don't have time. I really don't have time. People are dying and going to hell every day. My neighbors, people, my workplace, I don't have time to be comfortable. I'll be comfortable in heaven. I doubt that because he still will be praising him 24 hours every week. You better get used to that if you can't get used to it now. Think about it. To love God, write this down, is to respond to him at every level. That's what you're saying. If you love me, you'll respond to me at every level of inconvenience. How many know God's inconvenience? He loves to inconvenience you. He's never on schedule. Right? I'm like, God, you know, come on. This week? Really? <laughs> so you got a problem with that? <laughs> no. I'm just asking a question. Good. I got to ask you another question. You got a problem with that? God, when you read the Bible and you ask God a question, it's the same way Jesus does it. He answers you with another question. Really, that question is, you got a problem with that? You have a problem with my son who is very inconvenient, inconvenienced? for us, who not only risked his life, gave his life for you, and you want to sit back on the royalties, versus taking the royalties and reinvesting them in the kingdom of God, in families, in kids. What does he say? See, the question when you read this whole passage, some of us have this question right now. Okay, Pastor Rich, who is my neighbor? See, that's not the question. The question really is this. To whom can I be a neighbor? Think about it. Verse 37 said, go and do likewise. He said, out of the three, who proved himself to be a verb, a neighbor? Versus waiting for the perfect neighbor to show up that you can serve him. Who proved my life? This week, you know, he had a lot of rain, great rain, love rain, can't complain, better not. And um, I have a, if you've been out to my house, I have an acre and a half. I'm doing my, I'm doing my tractor work. And uh, I have neighbors sometimes are slow and cutting out grass down in the common areas. And I remember myself in the very beginning of the year complaining about them not taking care of their common areas. And the Lord spoke to me about that. 
because I became, what I did, I be actually became a, uh, a uh, HOA vice president so I could meet people. I just didn't know people had all these issues. But it's okay. It's my neighbor. And um, so the Lord said, Cut, start cutting their grass. Start cutting around here. And it was about a year. Nothing was taking place. They'd go out and cut, leave stuff out, leave everything out. I just kept on going, just kept on going. Saturday I had, Friday I had a lot to do. And I'm out there cutting in the evening. Next thing I know, my two neighbors are out. And they're cutting my land while I'm trying to cut mine. And they're doing, we're doing this. And we're feeling good about it. And they cut everything off. And, I, and usually what takes me three hours only took me two. But see, if I would have sat a whole year saying, who's my neighbor? If they don't appreciate me, if they don't talk to me, I'm not going to talk to them. I had to become a neighbor. The Bible says for us to become a neighbor. Not wait for the neighborhood. Listen to me. Some of you are in church and you say, I have no relationships. It's about you finding the right relationships. It's about you forging those. Right? So he said, the question is, to whom can I be a neighbor? The Samaritan didn't wait for the response. He became a neighbor. He made himself a neighbor. To a guy who couldn't pay him back, wasn't interested. What he saw what qualifies as our neighbor, as your one who work, lives by next door to you, who you work with, who you go to school with, is the one who is in need. There it is. You don't need, oh, God, show me. The, I'll show you. You walk by them every single day. In fact, you complain about them. They drink too much. Oh, they won't show up to work on time. Oh, 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 oh. Why? Because they're laying there dead. Bleeding out, life has beat them to death, and all they know is about, I'll show up to work, maybe I'll get a paycheck, and life will be a whole lot better because I'm, I don't care less because nothing's going to work out for me, and we'll go around them. I got somewhere to go. But we'll complain about them. They're laying there bleeding out. And then what happens is if we don't remember where we came from, we will forget what we're supposed to do. Ephesians 2.5 says, I was dead, I was doomed. I was dead. I was bleeding out. Wait, he's talking about a ditch. Pastor Rich was below the ditch. And Jesus showed up and made me alive again in him. He didn't wait for me to accept him. He died before I even accepted him. Think about that. Isn't that amazing? So we can walk around and forget our neighbor who needs it. Because we're looking at how much do I get if I help you? Guys, I wasn't easy to cut that grass? No. But I tell you what, I took the first step to be a neighbor. Now I don't know there's salvation, but the next time we're out there cutting, we'll get off our tractors and we'll talk. And then we'll get out there and we'll do something else together. And a relationship will be forged because I've decided, not by my own intellect, <laughs> not by my own will, because I want to cut my grass, get inside. It's hot out there. Be bothered talking to anybody. Because God drove me to say, if you want a neighborhood, you have to be the change you want to see. And we forgot how to be the change. We accept what we see and not be the change what we see. 
And when you're apathetic, you can care less about anything or anybody. Now, here's the problem. In the workplace, that's not a problem. But when you see saints who are not excited for God, that's a problem. And I'll tell you one, one word. I didn't put this in my notes. What we're missing. Everyone take out a pen, piece of paper and a pen. Write this word down. Which I'm praying for our church. I'm really praying hard. This is Pastor Rich's prayer for our church and for our city. Write down the word enthusiasm. See, the one thing about the gospel, or if I talk about being religious, I'll tell you to go home and do a lot of great things, and you'll last a whole week and feel worse than when you started. The word enthusiasm is an amazing word. In the Greek, entheos, part of that word means full of God. That's why when someone shows up in my office and they're like, oh, I'm having an issue. I said, when's the last time you had a great prayer time? When's the last time you opened your Bible? Because entheos, enthusiasm only comes from me being full of God. Apathy comes when I'm empty of God. And you can't say, that's my personality. No, not really. Here's the problem. I have a personality that says I will never get up here and preach. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm up here spitting at people, talking about putting things together. So I want to use that excuse. That's not my personality. I've seen you when you go to a basketball game, your personality changes. And they don't give you nothing back. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you, if you feel like everyone's looking at me, look at Miss Helen. When she's raising her hands and praising God. Why? In theos, full of God. Yes, I am full of problems, but I'm full of God. I have to pay bills. I'm full of God. Have death in the family. I got this going on. I'm full of God. Because he's greater than any problem I have. I have to stay full of God to stay enthusiastic, in theos. It's not my job to make you excited. It's your job to get with the one who makes you excited. Dream again. Project again. Pursue the blessing, not the blessing. You'll wear yourself out. Because if you're an adult, and you're pursuing a blessing, all you're doing is, if you have children, you're giving it to them. I already know that. The stuff I have, my son will grab it. I worked hard for it. Let's all stand. I know it's 9 o'clock in the morning, and Pastor Rich, I don't have time to be enthusiastic. But guess what? It's the word of God. You got to be in theos. Everyone say in theos. Full of God. People are dying right now, laying here, and we're walking around them. Apathetic. Well, they can't change. We'll always be this way. We live in a city like this. It'll always be this way. 
And our biggest job is say, uh-uh, sorry, that's the way it is, but that's not the way it's supposed to be. Amen? Some of my greatest people who I've seen that are excited are the ones that are going through the most. The ones that aren't going through anything, they've just forgot that where you were saved from and came from. So at this moment, some of you are sitting right here in a major depression. And you don't know why you, you don't feel anything. Because you're angry and it turned inside, you're depressed. And I can't get that out of you until you let the glory of God pour the Holy Spirit in you and flush it out on a consistent basis. If you're, if you're depressed, you got to press in. If you're feeling, ah, I can't get through, I don't know what this is, this, I feel like I'm in a, the heavens is closed up, you got to press into the one who can bust up in the heavens. We're going to slow it down. The altar's open. Come and be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Dream again. Jump again. Have excitement again. Say, I know I'm better than this. I was created for greater than this. Because the one who created me is so great. He's amazing. He's awesome. He doesn't make mistakes. If you need to be free, come to the altar. Just relax with, in front of God. In theos, full of God. Don't be full of yourself. That's pride. Full of God. Apart from God, I can accomplish nothing. In fact, apart from God, I would quit a long time ago. Because it's easy to quit. It's easy to go in idle. But we weren't made to be created in idle. We were created in afterburner. Father, I ask right now in the name of Jesus, as we come together, Father, I ask God, move right now. Spark the fire in my soul. It's not about time in the morning. It's not about the weather, God. Father, break that spirit of apathy off us as a church, off our society, off our nation, off families. And let us dream again and expect great things from you again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.